0: Happy Valentine's Day. Whenever I feel like giving up, your love keeps me going. So happy we both swiped right. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is you. You may hold my hand for a
1: while, but you'll hold my heart forever. Like you and me, some things are just
0: meant to be. Love, as true as the ocean is blue. Does the thought of public displays of affection leave you feeling misty-eyed or just a bit sick? Yeah, Valentine's Day is looming along with all the heart-shaped chocolate, expensive flowers and social media PDAs that come with it. welcome to Stuff Explained, I'm Jess McCarthy. When it comes to holidays, Valentine's Day is either one you love or loathe. But how did it cement its spot on our cultural calendar? Oh well, to help us find out, we've got Friend of the Pod and Valentine's Day expert, Lorna Piasi Farnell, who is professor at Auckland University of Technology, specialising in cultural history. Welcome back, Lorna. Now, most people have probably heard of Saint Valentine. So is he the one to blame for all this love? Poor Saint Valentine's. He gets blamed for so much, right?
1: And I'm sure he would find it quite amusing. Uh, but actually the history of how the association came about, well, is not quite as straightforward as that. In fact, you know the Catholic Church had quite a few, uh, you know, Valentines through its history. They got celebrated, and the the history itself is quite murky in deciding how that association even came about. Widely and wildly believed that you know the Valentine in question actually was a priest during the third century. And how he got his fame is that it is alleged that during this time, the emperor, you know, Claudius II, actually banned his soldiers from marrying because he believed that, you know, unmarried soldiers actually fought better, you know, and became more committed, you know, to the effort. It is claimed that Valentine um, married them in secret. And for this, he became imprisoned and um, later executed, you know, for defying the emperor. Now as you can see, like the the connection to romance is very, very tenuous there, but it gets a a bit murkier because it is also claimed, and bear in mind, I do use the the, the word claimed here because we're not really sure, that during this time he would send letters to his one from prison, uh, allegedly signing them from your Valentine. Well, we do know, you know, that by the time the fifth century came about, Valentine actually became a very popular saint, and that the day there was chosen for his feast was the 14th of February. Now, it's also claimed that the reason why he was made a saint is because he was, um, you know, a Christian, and therefore by defying the emperor in such a way, he had been martyred. And that's why it was given his sainthood. But as you can see, you know, like from Valentine, possibly doing something in a prison, possibly writing a letter to his loved one, to his fame as this embodiment of love and having his own love holiday, you
0: know, like th- there's quite a lot of water under the bridge. Now, that's the one that people might have heard about before with the origin story that maybe people aren't so familiar with. Is this rather dodgy Roman festival? And I'm probably going to butcher the pronunciation, but Lupercalia. And that's somehow no, entwined in... that's absolutely right. Yes, that's go my lesson. Right. <laughs> How did that become entwined in Valentine's Day? Now, you see, Lupercalia
1: was um, a fertility festival that was very, very popular during Roman time uh, times. And it was celebrating around the Ides of February, which was roughly around the 15th of February. Now, uh, during this time, the priests of the god of agriculture, Faunus would actually perform rituals. And one of the rituals that they would perform, they would sacrifice a goat and they would uh, strip the skin and uh, cut the skin into tiny little strips, dip it in sacrificial blood. And then they will go around the streets and gently whipping any woman or girl in marrying age that would go by, you know, as a sort of a blessing that they would find by their life mates, so to speak. And actually, you know, even though like being whipped with a, a, a bloody piece of goat skin doesn't quite sound that appealing, it was actually really welcome <laughs> you know, because it was believed that, you know, that would allow an association to form uh, with, a, you know, potential husband, And a lot of associations mainly aimed at frolicking would, you know, like take place um, during Lupercalia and then some of them would lead to marriage, not all, but some of them would lead to marriage. This was a very particular you know, um, festival, and as I said, it was very popular. So when Christianity arrived, and Christianity did this a lot, you know there was a form of incorporation over time, shall we see, a bit of blending and mingling and merging of the existing you know, pagan festivals with Christian festivals. Now it didn't quite go from A to B, you know, because uh, history is never quite a straight line. Uh, but, you know, like it is believed, you know, in the fifth century, the Pope, you know, like needed to sort of like really stamp down any last standing, you know, pagan beliefs. This was one way, you know, to continue that association with love and fertility
0: by putting a Christian seal onto it. Gotcha. Okay. So as you mentioned before, there seems like there's like a lot of water to come under the bridge between St. Valentine's execution and where we get to today. Where should we start with that? I know it kind of pops up here and, here and there in literature. Shakespeare mentions Valentine's Day. What do we know about how it proceeded maybe in that early period? Well, there's a period of history where we're not really sure about what
1: happened. you know, like to the fame of Valentine's and Valentine's Feast and later known as Valentine's Day. Well, we do know that by the time the Middle Ages and especially, you know, like the late Middle Ages came by, St. Valentine had become a very popular saint. Uh, because of those long-standing association, even if we don't know exactly how they continue to be celebrated over time. Even before Shakespeare, you know, Geoffrey Chaucer actually in the uh, 14th century made a mention, got over in Valentine's Day, being a day of love or for lovers in inverted commas. So definitely by the time Shakespeare's era arrived and even before then in between, we actually have evidence of even Henry VIII sending Valentine's notes or having poets Writing Valentine's notes on his behalf for his mistresses and his lovers. So by the time the sixteenth century came about, it was definitely established.
0: I wouldn't want to get one from Harry the Eighth. So when does the switch turn up then? And Valentine's Day just takes off as some kind of cultural celebration. Cultural phenomena, shall we say? Well, definitely by the late 18th century, we started
1: seeing a lot of poems starting to circulate, you know, even for the masses, they would be uh, sort of almost mass produced and circulated definitely was there. But in order to see it really take off in the terms that we understand today, truly known, if not celebrated by known by everyone, we really do need to wait until uh, the 19th century. In, In England, the Victorian period, definitely that's when Valentine's day took off. And one of the reasons why it did and why it became so well known and the celebration proliferated, is because of the advent of mass-produced uh, greeting cards. This was a time when, instead of having to uh, hand write notes, people could actually purchase them. They could start purchasing and could uh, post them for relatively cheap. So cards started to be produced not only for Valentine's Day but also for other holidays, such so as Christmas and Halloween, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And so it was precisely at this time that people started to really exchange cards. That idea of I give you a card, you give me mine. This is an expression of our love. And what also happened during this time, the late 19th century, early 20th and into that century, was the establishment of the iconography that we now associate with Valentine's Day, with Cupid being on all the cards and part symbols into the 20th century. And bear in mind that Cupid had been associated with Valentine's Day a little bit in previous centuries as well, but the cards truly cemented it into people's imagination and that's when valentine's day also took on its more commercial side as well because people started buying cards started buying gifts and the idea of exchanging something on the day came established
0: if we talk about the 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 cards a little bit more at least in primary school there's this kind of idea that you sign them anonymously to your valentine why is it a chance to tell tell your secret admirer that you admire them Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Well,
1: uh, that, that is actually a very good question. And the answer is it's a little bit murky, you know, like, because in um, the 19th century, it was also uh, very popular to send messages, to receive messages that were unsigned. That's when the idea of the secret admirer really became mass produced, shall we say? And of course, he'd been around before, but definitely didn't quite have, you know, the power that he did until then. But because the post was becoming, like we said, it was becoming a lot cheaper, Uh, it became a little bit of a game. And bear in mind that during this time, it wasn't just I love you cards. It became circulated on Valentine's Day. You could also send, if you wanted, a, I hate you and I don't like you card. Literally with little poems written and oh, I loathe you so. All these little games became part of the card system. Yeah, it's hate mail. <laughs> no, it sounds incredible. Imagine getting one of those cards. You'd be quite devastated,
0: really. Like, why bother? You know, like, leave me to my own, you know, my own devices. <laughs> I think if you are a cynical person, villain, Valentine's Day is probably the easiest holiday to be cynical about, at least in 2023. When did the com- the commercials? I just run away with it. That would definitely be a 20th century, you know, like
1: development. So again, you know, as things go pretty recently in the history of not only not only the holiday, but all our celebrations as well. Now, of course, like uh, pre World War II, it would definitely be celebrated, and it would definitely be already commercial you know, with the cards, the exchange of flowers and the chocolate. But after the war period, when there was the big, you know, sort of financial boom, especially in in the 50s and the 60s, it kind of became entangled with the big rise of consumer culture and the way in which uh, we saw the desire of uh, sort of materializing feelings or materializing
0: experiences into objects and into something that could be touched. So knowing all the history behind it and knowing its transformation, is it a holiday that you buy into? it pairs any holiday in any celebration. It's all about what makes people happy.
1: You know, if it makes people happy and if they want to spend their money a certain way, or if they just want to write a note and give it to someone that they care about and it makes them feel good and, you know, the recipient will
0: also, uh, you know, be made to feel good, then why not? Absolutely. It's an opportunity. Maybe in 2023, when we're in this cost of living crisis, we take it back a couple of centuries and we just write a really nice note to somebody. We can forget the hundred dollar bouquet. Laura, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. That's it for this episode of Stuff Explained. I'm Jess McCarthy, and on behalf of our producers, Philip Tolley and John Williams, thank you for listening. You can find more Stuff Explained episodes online at stuff.co.nz and make sure to like and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. If there's anything you'd like explained, do drop us a line, stuffexplained at stuff.co.nz. Ka kite anō. I think You're conflating a whole bunch of issues. You don't want to be held to account well, no, on okay, well, rising child abuse no, numbers. You can manipulate crime statistics. No, I promised I wouldn't have a tattoo about gotcha journalism. Hanging into the National Party's no, attack line no, there, but I, but I think what, Chris, the, it would be a resignation offence if I didn't deliver tax reduction. It, it,
1: yeah, we're, I'm not worried about it at all. Nothing effing there. On. That sits with you perfectly that's fine. What we're, that's
0: what we're
1: focused on.
0: Whatever happens in politics, the weird, the wonderful, the important, the thought provoking, we got you. Listen to Tova wherever you get your podcasts.